All right, hey everyone, this is Gabriel Menchaca. Um, we're uh, doing a new podcast today. I'm actually going to be interviewing somebody that uh, we became acquainted with and has come over a few times, and we've learned a lot from her, and so I'd like to introduce you all to Sierra. Sierra. Hello. <laughs> Why don't you go ahead and give us a little bit of your background. Let's, let's start off with this. Where are you from? So I'm originally from the small, sunny beach town of Santa Barbara. Oh, nice. Yes, and I currently live in Glendora area, so about 20 minutes outside Pasadena. And where the fires are right now. Yes, lots of smoke, lots of, lots of ash, everyone's wearing a mask, doing the thing. <laughs> okay, so I got, a, I got a question for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a little bit personal. Yes. Why don't you drink coffee? Oh my gosh. <laughs> Whew, I was not expecting that. Uh, I guess I've just never really found a need for it. Going through school and stuff, I was always on that green tea, orange juice, water kick. So I never really quite found a need. And I also had some roommates and family members that were like highly addicted to it. So, mm-hmm. you know, the like, don't talk to me until I've had my morning cup of coffee. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not really about that lifestyle. So... I've been I've been able to function for the last 29 years or so without it, so I've been okay. Okay, all right, we'll go with that. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's let's do this. Who's your favorite band? Ooh, <clears throat> that's hard. <laughs> oh, favorite band? Mm, honestly, the one oh Red Hot Chili Peppers. Okay, for sure. Anthony Kiedis, yes. Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters. A couple of weirdos, but well, that's okay. Hey, right. you know, got to roll with the weirdos. So Red Hot Chili Peppers, Red- and then second would be Foo Fighters. I would say Foo Fighters, yes, absolutely. Um, Under Oath, always good. Um, of Mice and Men, also very good. So, yeah. Okay, so if you could be a decade, which one would you be? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, wow, that's hard. Honestly, probably either between like the 60s and 70s because you had like great music. But you can only pick one. Okay. 60s or 70s. (laughs) Okay. I see if we're rolling on this podcast. Honestly, I'm going to have to go with the 70s because I'm a disco baby at heart. Okay. Bee Gees, Saturday Night Fever. So 70s. 70s. Feeling it all the way. All right. Absolutely. All right, so now we'll get into some some more serious stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get into psychology or the field of psychology? So um, I am currently a licensed social worker, and so so that you know people hear the word social worker, and that means a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm a licensed social worker, which means um, I'm a licensed mental health therapist. So I do therapy um, with people, and then I also do like community community work with people as well um so i got into psychology social work kind of mental health land all together um because i've just always wanted to help people ever since i was young i've just always wanted to help people um and i didn't really know what that looked like but as i've gotten older i just really saw the power of listening of listening to people and just Mm -hmm. seeing um like in our society everyone's quick to speak but very few are like very quick to listen Mm -hmm. and so i've just found that um listening to people has created a lot of healing and so through that i've been able i kind of discovered psychology becoming a therapist um and being able to really like listen well and like hold space for people yeah 
I think even like how you said the power of listening, because mm-hmm. that is a big deal. I think even um, <clears throat> people in ministry, people in churches, mm-hmm. one of the things that we could do, all of us, we could do better is learn how to listen. Right. So, um, so what's your official title? Uh, my official title is Licensed Clinical Social Worker, okay. LCSW. And we, we briefly talked about this before, mm-hmm. but you did work in Los Angeles, Los Angeles County maybe, in right. the city. Mm-hmm. And so what are some of the areas that you uh, worked in? So I've worked primarily, um, like you said, all over LA County, going from all the way from downtown LA, all the way to the border um, of San Bernardino. And then I've done work in San Bernardino itself. Um, so I've worked primarily in community mental health. So um, patients with severe mental illness, um, people who are homeless, uh, people who are coming out of jail, um, people who are really suffering um, and really need support. Um, I have done that and I've also worked um, in the primary care and the medical setting of well, as well. Okay. Mm-hmm. And so that is a very big difference from Santa right. Barbara. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> and Absolutely. so um, I think we even uh, we even uh, chatted about it before. Uh, there was maybe like, did you ever feel like it was unsafe? Or how did you feel about the safety of it? Is it something a little bit scary? Um, I mean, I think, I think more so as opposed to like, oh, because I'm from Santa Barbara and then transitioning. But I think more so of like, I'm a female walking into, you know, walking into, you know, men's central prison, mm-hmm, men's mm-hmm. central jail in LA. Like that's a very intimidating environment. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so it's more so, yeah, definitely that. I mean, I think at times it did feel like now that I'm older and I have had a lot more experience in the field, I look back and I'm like, oh, wow, that maybe wasn't like the safest thing to have done. But do you have the, an example? Like, <laughs> uh, so yeah. So for example, um, you know, when I first started in the field, you know, very young, very excited, wanting to help people. Um, you know, there was a patient whose home I was going to because a large chunk of my career has been, you know, meeting people in their homes. You know, mm-hmm. I think a really important thing of mental health is not only emotionally meeting people where they're at, but physically. So I've, you know, I've done sessions, you know, I sat on a curb outside of a McDonald's and my patient like sat in their car. Um, Or, you know, we've both sat, you know, outside at a park bench or different things like that. So um, I think it's really important to meet the client where they're at. So where a lot of people feel comfortable is in their homes. So Mm -hmm. I've done a lot of homework. So, for example, I had a patient who... um, was an active gang member, you know, and the neighborhood wasn't really the safest. And so, um, he had a huge sliding like metal gate, you know, the kind that's on the tracks and you got to like in, in his yard, in his front yard, in his front yard on the front of the driveway. Oh, okay. So before you even got to the front before door, before I even got to the front door. Okay. So yeah, so I'm a single female, you know, I don't know anyone, not, no one really knows where I am. I'm just, you know, I'll, I'll, in my mind, I'm like, Hey, my patient's here. Being meeting for the first time, you know, let's let's just go. I want to help the people. I want to <laughs> help him. And so, so I go and you know he like comes out and you know walk in like I walk into the gate. He and he slides the gate shut. Um, you Essentially, know. you're trapped. Yes. If, if he wanted. Right. And you're the, there. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And so that's why you wear good shoes with traction. Okay. <laughs> good shoes, super important. Fun fact. Um, and so, yeah, so we go into the home, you know, and he had um, 
some pretty severe, you know, mental health and also some substance abuse. So, you know, like partway through like our session, you know, he starts saying things of like, you know, the th- I want, like I am hearing things that are telling me to, you know, kill you and then kill myself, you know? And so it's like, wow. So he says this to you after he's closed the gate. Right. You're, did he lock it? Uh, I don't remember. I don't believe so, but it's one of those things that it was like, this is going to take all of my strength to pull the gate open. Okay. To slide it down the track to get in. So essentially you were somewhat like, yes. you were there. Like you were yeah. Oh yeah. Yes. Until he opened it. Right. Okay. Absolutely. And so he shares this. Yeah. So he says that and you know, it was a moment of like, okay, what do I do? But you know, I think a huge part um, of being in mental health and being a therapist is just being calm Mm -hmm, and maintaining, mm -hmm. you know, it's really important to, you don't want to overreact and you don't want to assume, you know, just because someone is saying something, you know, I don't want to assume like, okay, he's saying this. So like, he's going to kill me and do it. But it's just more of like, okay, can you tell me a little bit more about this? I think Mm -hmm. it's important to be curious, you know? Mm -hmm, So, mm -hmm. Hey, so like, you're telling me this, like, can you tell me a little bit more? Like, did, is that what you told him when yeah. he told you? That? Can yeah. you tell me a little bit more about the yeah. voices that one? T- yeah, can you tell me a little bit more? <laughs> okay. What's ex- like? Tell me what's more of your experience right now. You know, is this like? Do you really feel like you like want to kill me, or is it just something that you're like a thought, or you feel like an outside thought is being told to you? Because I think something that's important, you know, that we like we are not our thoughts, mm-hmm. and I think that's something that we forget. Like, just because I have a passive thought. That doesn't, it's like, oh my gosh, that doesn't mean I am my thought. So mm-hmm. I think it's important to be curious and be like, okay, like, is this something that's just kind of passing through or is this something that, you know, that you're really feeling and you want to follow through with? Yeah. Because it would be really easy in the, you know, in that moment to be like, okay, he's going to hurt me, life or death. Okay, how do I get out? But it's like, no, like, well, maybe that's not what he actually means. That's yeah. not, that's not his intent. Maybe that's not his intent. So. Yeah. And the fact that he shared it with you is interesting. Like, right. So, um, <clears throat> let, let me back up for a little bit. Uh, you are a Christian. Yes. So you, you, what we define believer, follower of Jesus. Yes. Um, and you grew up in church, correct? Yes. So you have a pretty solid understanding of the Bible and, uh, Christianity, what mm-hmm. it means to follow or pursue Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. And so I'm, I'm saying that because I want to make sure that, um, for those that are listening, that they're aware of like, that you're not, um, strictly like someone just, uh, has no faith or no belief in Jesus, but mm-hmm. that, that is part of who you are as a person. Oh, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. Faith is like the most important thing to me. Okay. Okay, so one of the one of the reasons why I thought it'd be really good to do a podcast um, with you, Sierra, was I I found these stats and uh, basically there are two things really plaguing a lot of people right now: anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I'm sure you've you've read multiple things on it, but mm-hmm. um, I found these stats online. Uh, when I'll read some through and we can kind of talk about them after. But an, an estimated 31 percent of all adults will experience an anxiety disorder at some point in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, an estimated 19% of adults in America had an anxiety disorder as of 2001, 2003. Mm-hmm. Anxiety disorders are more prevalent in women than in men in the United States and around the world. Mm-hmm. So this is, I found this one, for, it was from a study done in 2017 and 2018. Mm-hmm. 
Um, specific phobias are the most commonly occurring anxiety disorder affecting mm-hmm. more than 19 million adults in the U.S. Mm-hmm. So I'm um, reading some of these stats. I also found uh, some world stuff. Uh, it is estimated that 264 million adults <laughs> around the globe have anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, I found these ones for specifically the U.S. And it was really interesting because um, it says that nearly one-third or 31%, 31.9%, of adolescents that would be ages 13 through 18 mm-hmm. had an anxiety disorder between 2001 and 2004. Mm-hmm. And so for me, that was kind of like, whoa, <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know that, you know, uh, teenagers that are that young would have this kind of symptom mm-hmm. or, or presentation of anxiety in their lives at such an early age. Mm-hmm. And then uh, 30 to 44 year olds were most affected by anxiety disorders mm-hmm. as of 2017. Mm-hmm. And that's interesting because 30 to 44, mm-hmm. uh, that's, that's your age when it's like you're kind of established in life, so to speak. Mm-hmm. You know, in your, your early 20s, you're, mm-hmm. you're maybe you're, you're in college mm-hmm. or, or you're leaving home, you're mm-hmm. getting to like a, a career or whatever you're doing. Um, and then once you're in the 30 to 44 year range, I feel mm-hmm. like you're more like established. You usually have a family at that point, mm-hmm. little kids, you're right. maybe buying your home or something mm-hmm. like that. And so I feel like, man, like to, to see this is kind of interesting because... It points to something for me, at least, that um, a lot of us, if if we're dealing with issues and we have like a young family mm-hmm. and we don't address the issues, I think it causes a lot more issues. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so um, it's it's interesting in all this, but uh, uh, it, this is one interesting thing that I read that I was like, hmm, Americans with higher education are less likely to have an anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Now, when I read that, I was like, mm-hmm. I don't know if that's like factual 100%, but right. I think it's just more offensive because it's like, because <laughs> right. right. especially being like, I'm a Latino mm-hmm. and uh, for the people that can't see us, uh, Sierra's not. <laughs> I'm white. <laughs> Caucasian. <laughs> so Americans with higher education are less mm-hmm. likely to have an anxiety disorder. And as a Latino from our community, mm-hmm. there's less education. Mm. So... What we can kind of like assume mm-hmm. pretty safely is that uh, there's a lot more anxiety in uh, like the, the <clears throat> Latino or Hispanic communities. Mm-hmm. And so, and I would say this, I think I know people, mm-hmm. more Latino, especially the, the guys mm-hmm. that deal with it mm-hmm. or have it, but mm-hmm. don't deal with it. Right. And I think, you know, and, and I think something that's interesting, you know, that's an important factor, you know, in talking about mental health is also talking about culture, mm-hmm. you know, because different cultures have different perspectives or different thoughts on mental health, um, you know, that, you know, maybe it doesn't exist or maybe it's some, you know, some cultures, like I said, you know, it's not something that exists or it's something that is really important to focus on. So I think looking at culture and, you know, cultural dynamics are important as well. So mm-hmm. let's, I want to kind of dive in a little bit further to mm-hmm. So we're, I brought up anxiety and depression, mm-hmm. but um, let's talk about anxiety specifically. Yeah. Um, maybe you can elaborate and just, like help, number one, like me understand, but also mm-hmm. those that are listening. Like, what is anxiety and what does that word even like cover? Right. So anxiety is, you know, I think it's, uh, it can be, anxiety is something, you know, in mental health itself has become something that has been... Um, a lot more accepted. The conversation about mental health, you know, 
um, five years ago, ten years ago, was something we didn't talk about as a society. But, you know, the topic of mental health has definitely been something that's been more accepted um, and something that, you know, that people are more open and sharing about. You know, it's no longer really taboo as much to say, hey, like, I'm going to therapy right now. You Mm -hmm. know, maybe five, ten years ago, you know, people were really hesitant to share about that. Um, so anxiety itself, um, is kind of like a blanket term. So looking at it, um, from a clinical perspective, you know, to educate, um, to give like science and to give, um, like education instead of just kind of like pop culture science. Um, so there's something called the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual. Wait, let me stop real fast. Let's back up a little bit. Okay. Pop culture science. Yes. Elaborate on that. (laughs) Pop culture science, oh my gosh. So pop culture science is something that's like, I mean, you know, like when you go on social media and you read like, you know, this like inspiring like catchphrase or something that's like, oh, okay, like, well, like where does that come from? Where does that mean? You know, sometimes we take things off like, you know, we see things on TV or we hear we like hear something from a family member or different things like that and it can be it's comes like we don't really know kind of where it comes from it's just like so we just heard it we just heard it just this pop culture kind of vague thing we don't really it's like oh like i heard i just heard that somewhere but it's we don't really think about like oh like where did that come from is that actual fact like is that science yeah okay okay sorry that's what i mean as you were explaining, go ahead. Yeah, so um, so mental health, um, there's something called the, the DSMs or the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual. And basically what that is, is um, it's a book and it basically um, is all kind of the mental health disorders, you know, that a licensed therapist or a doctor or a medical professional um, can diagnose someone with. So, you know, I think a huge part, you know, of importance in this podcast is making sure that we're talking about science. We're talking about, you know, things that research um, and things that, you know, science has proven as opposed to just just this kind of like pop culture. Okay. Because that's important to me is, you know, that as we're talking that people feel educated and equipped based in fact, as opposed to just this blanket like, oh, you know, like. I heard this somewhere or I heard this like on Instagram or something like that. But it's like, well, I don't really know if that's like valid or if that's true or not. I want to make sure that what I'm talking about and what we're sharing is coming like from like a valid source. Um, so, uh, so anxiety, um, is a, is a blank, it's kind of a blanket term. It's like an umbrella. If you kind okay. of think about it, you know, and there's five, um, five things under that uh, blanket term of anxiety. So you said, so one of the stats that you read, um, you said the biggest form of anxiety is some form of like phobia disorder. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so, so a phobia is kind of under that umbrella of anxiety. So the things that are under that, the anxiety umbrella are generalized anxiety, um, obsessive compulsive disorder, panic disorder, post-traumatic stress disorder, and social anxiety disorder. So for this conversation, I'm going to stick to kind of just generalized anxiety disorder. So this is more so, you know, just the general anxiety and anxiousness Mm -hmm. that, you know, people feel. It doesn't really, it's not something specific regarding a specific phobia. 
um, or social situation um, or different things like that, but just kind of the generalized. But if you wanted to dig deeper, you could actually go specifically to each five area right. of the five areas and specifically talk about them in right. depth. Okay. Absolutely. So generalized anxiety mm-hmm. disorder. And, mm-hmm. and kind of like um, bringing in the thought of like because of the pandemic, mm-hmm. because of you know the coronavirus and mm-hmm. all these things, um, I'm not sure <laughs> if there's like factual evidence, but I think just the idea that the stuff I've been reading, mm-hmm. it seems like there has been a jump. Oh, absolutely. People with anxiety. Oh, yeah. So and even with like the areas of like those who maybe lost their job, mm-hmm. uh, they can't make rent, mm-hmm. you know, they, the idea of eviction or yeah. losing wherever they're living. And so um, in general anxiety disorder, is this something that is kind of within that? Yeah, okay. absolutely. I would say so. And I and that's very valid to feel, you know, like with the current like the coronavirus and just the uncertainty and you know we've never had a pandemic like this happen before mm-hmm. so because we don't know what it is or what's happening or what's going to happen in the next you know month two months six months yeah that's it's normal that it's going to create some feelings of anxiety mm-hmm. so it's you know i just want to validate for people that um you know if you are feeling anxious that that that's that's in response that that's okay to feel anxious mm-hmm. you know it's that's a normal feeling to what is happening right now now kind of jumping back to the idea of um what you mentioned pop culture science mm-hmm. there there was this post mm-hmm. um from it was on instagram mm-hmm. i believe we can say the name without any <laughs> copyright issues <laughs> but it was humans of new york uh-huh. and in it um it was a daughter talking about her father mm-hmm. And she, she explained that how her dad would basically just back her up and help her whatever she could do. And he, in this one part, um, he says this, or she said this, whenever I was feeling unsure, he'd bet me a dollar. As my anxiety got worse, he studied psychology. Mm-hmm. He'd walk me through coping strategies. He'd say things like, are you catastrophizing this? Uh, have you ever failed a class before? What evidence do you have that this time will be different? I hate being the emotional one. And, and she goes on to explain, you know, how her dad was very supportive supportive uh, mm-hmm. in everything she did. But my question would be this. So you mentioned the DSM-5, mm-hmm. and then you talk about, like, pop culture science. Mm-hmm. But here you have someone who's, whose dad, it seems like he attempted to study mm-hmm. psychology mm-hmm. to help his daughter. Right. So if I'm his dad, I'm mm-hmm. trying to help my daughter. Um, <laughs> is it a negative thing for me to go out and buy a DSM-5? And basically try to find, you know, what's going on with my daughter mm-hmm. is, you know, she's obviously suffering some sort of anxiety. Mm-hmm. Um, can't, is it wrong for me to go buy this book and just try to define it mm-hmm. myself? Would you recommend that? Um, no, I mean, it wouldn't be, I wouldn't say it'd be a bad thing to like go, you know, like, cause you can order a DSM like on Amazon. Like it wouldn't be bad to go and like buy it because sure. Yes, it would definitely, you know bring education and that type of stuff but there aren't the book isn't something that offers like coping strategies of how to do it it helps it helps label and put things to be like oh okay like this is what anxiety is um like you know based on like fact and you know um and science but you know it's not something that is like oh if i go pick up this book this is going to teach me like coping strategies Mm -hmm. so that's why you know seeing a therapist or you know some sort of like mental health professional is helpful because they're kind of the middleman you know they've been you know they've been trained in the dsm you know 
we've stu- as a therapist, I've studied the DSM. I know what the criteria and what anxiety looks like. So I'm able to teach like teach someone, hey, like this is what it is, this is what it looks like. You know, you meet the criteria for it, but let's also talk about how we can help you. Yeah. So it's it's almost like going so you have a car and you buy the the owner's manual for the car. Right but you're not a mechanic exactly so you would it'd be best to go to the mechanic right which in this case would be like a therapist right to say like hey can you help me with this stuff right and i mean just like you know like there's nothing wrong with buying the car manual and reading for yourself educating for yourself there's nothing wrong with that i'm all about that but it's also helpful too to have someone who you know has like a mechanic like spent a lot of time in this and done this to help kind of translate for you what's happening and what's going on so generalized anxiety mm-hmm. disorder mm-hmm. Uh, what does that look like so according to the DSM so um, there's a couple criteria so basically excessive worry um, you know occurring occurring more days than not so more days out of the week than not um, for about six months or so so that's one criteria another part is Um, having difficulty being able to control it so it's something that you know you feel out of control with that's not something you're able to kind of tame down for yourself so is it is it the feeling of feeling out of control or is it not being able to control the worry i would say not being able to control the worry um and then so you know to die to be diagnosed so the anxiety and worry are associated with three or more of the following symptoms and these have to be for six months so feelings of restlessness so feeling keyed up or feeling on edge you know finding it hard to just like relax um being easily fatigued because you know when you know it's just like your body can only handle so much right so Mm -hmm. like when you go exercise for a long time your body's geared up because we're constantly um, using our muscles where our cortisol is being you know is coursing through our brain through our body so eventually we crash so we just get tired really easily Um, so or difficulty concentrating on something so focusing so difficulty you know watching tv or reading a book or just finding that you know your mind kind of goes blank and maybe you feel a little bit like paralyzed in the situation of like like i don't know what to do i don't know like i don't know i'm just stuck here the feelings of feeling stuck um feeling rude like very irritable feeling irritable or um, really easily agitated, you know, just something really small can just kind of set you off because you're kind of feeling on edge, right? Mm-hmm. It's like you're feeling keyed up. So just the littlest thing can kind of like you mm-hmm. knock you off. Mm-hmm. Um, muscle tension um, is another thing. So, you know, we carry a lot of stress in our shoulders or even something as simple as like, you know, we like clench our fists sometimes or we're just, you know, we just kind of shrug into like shrug our shoulders up trying to feel like a safety thing. Um, and then finally, like some form of like sleep disturbance. So difficulty sleeping, um, having trouble falling asleep, having trouble staying asleep, um, feeling, waking up constantly through the night, feeling restless. Um, and then, you know, and, and the thing is, is what's important is cause someone listening to this may be like, I feel all of these things, you know, <laughs> you know, yeah. cause you know, at times I feel all of these things. Mm-hmm, right. Mm-hmm. Um, but the thing is, is it's important is how much are these symptoms impairing your life? Mm-hmm. Like, are they keeping you from going to work? Are they keeping you from spending time with your family or having relationships? Um, you know, it's important to assess and talk, you know, with the professional of like, how much is this impairing my life? 
Um, and then it's also making sure that, you know, like these symptoms that they're not a cause, they're not a result of like substance abuse. Right. You know, you're not drinking or you're not, you know, it's not a result of like another medical condition or, you know, some sort of, like I said, substance abuse or outside, um, thing like that. So those are like the big criteria. It might be also a good place to say that this isn't like a professional assessment. Right. Oh, totally. Absolutely. Like it's just, we're having conversation on anxiety. Right. And kind of going over what it is, what it isn't. Right. Yeah, so just for those of you listening, right, it's not a diagnosis of anxiety. Yes, this is not me reading the DSM being like, okay, you know, that social worker on that, you know, one podcast, I mean all these things, so I have anxiety. But it's just more of me, you know, bringing in, you know, fact and science, like, yeah, to this to bring education to people as opposed to just like, you know, someone going to like googling like what is anxiety and some random article pops up and it's like well i don't really know where that comes from if this is valid can i trust this can i not trust this right so i want to make sure that i'm bringing you know like real education to people so in in the overall like picture of it like anxiety in itself Mm -hmm. have you seen it be really destructive to someone's life oh absolutely absolutely like what's i mean can you give me like an example like because i would say this is there such a thing as functional anxiety? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> where, you know what I mean? Like where people yeah. can kind of just keep going on with life and right. they just, it's just the way it is. Like I feel anxious. So. Right. Cause you know, cause one of the things um, is talk, like I said, is like, how much does this impair your life? Okay. Right. So if you think of it kind of like a sliding scale, you know, cause someone may feel anxious, but they may still, you know, be able to go to work, um, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, go to work, have social relationships, you know, and, you know, and they find things that help with their anxiety, you know, like med- they maybe do some meditation or they exercise, different things like that, you know, and, and then there's things, you know, and it slides all the way to a scale of someone, you know, like they may feel so anxious that it's, they find it hard to go to work, you know, they might find it hard to leave their home, they might find it um, hard to spend time with family and friends. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of a long it can be kind of in a scale. So yeah, so someone can have anxiety, you know, and, um, you know, be functioning, but then also, you know, someone may be struggling with anxiety that it's harder for them to, you know, continue in the life that they have had. Okay. So we, we learned about kind of like what anxiety is. We know that there's five areas of anxiety, generalized anxiety disorder, which we're discussing today. Mm -hmm. There's also OCD, uh, panic, PTSD, social anxiety disorder. Um, but as far as generalized anxiety disorder, uh, are there, there, there's probably the question of, you know, what it is. And we, we already talked about that, Mm -hmm. but, um, I think a big question would be, where does it come from? Like Mm -hmm. what brings on anxiety? 